Good morning. Um, well done for making it. Um, I don't know whether it says something about the audience that there's far more women in here than men. So either men don't care about the web we want or they were just drinking too much last, last night and uh, aren't as good at, at uh, multitasking and getting in in the morning. Um, we are going to be uh, talking about the web we want, hopefully in a, in a much more light-hearted way and get you involved this morning. But with no, without further ado, CMC does the web we want does Webbusters? <laughs> does Webbusters? We'll try it one more time. Are you there, Dinah? So we went back through the archives looking for programs that might possibly help us uh, to explore the new topics of the internet, and we're doing Webbusters. So we can't see anything up here, so we don't know whether there is anything playing on the screens. Um, so the idea of this morning is that we are going to look through the issues that are affecting uh, kids and young people on the internet and what they like and dislike about the internet. Um, so we thought, how, do we, how best to do that? We get their opinions, and we've been asking children um, with the kind help of Pineapple Lounge, uh, we've been asking lots of children around the country um, about what their internet irritants are. So rather than this being just about policy conversations about what adults think would be make the web a better place, we thought we'd start by asking children what would make the web a better place. And then we thought, okay, well, they're coming up with all these terms and acronyms that we haven't got a clue about. So that's where Blockbusters came in. We thought that's all very clever. And then... Uh, started putting a panel together and then realised that we all know what Blockbusters is, but actually the audience we're talking about probably don't, except we did find that uh, Blockbusters has got a new life, and Amy, who's one of our panellists, as we go down the room, actually knows Blockbusters in a completely different way. She sort of knew who Bob Holness was from her mum, um, but you, play it on, you played it online and you played various games, is that right? Um, it was on BBC Backsides as a revision tour. BBC Byte size of the revision tool. Okay, so the way we're going to do this this morning is we're going to have we have two teams. We've got two team captains, Catherine Corrick over there. Wave your hand. And Amy, who is the digital girl of Europe 20. Which year did we decide it was? 13, 14. 2013. Probably has a better network in digital than any of us put together. She's met Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Wales. Um, you've met the European uh, Commissioner looking at digital uh, rights generally. Um, she's been on stage at the O2, at the Wembley Arena. So actually, when we, when we are going to crash and burn on these questions, we're going to be deferring to Amy all the way through. But let's go down our panel. Catherine, would you like to introduce your team, please? Uh, on my right, I have Paul. Paul? Hello. Um, so I am Paul. I'm Paul Gardner. I'm a partner in law firm Osborne Clark, and I focus in bigger issues to do with the creation and exploitation of digital products and services. And on my right, I have Pete. Hi, I'm Pete McGinn. I'm head of research at the Pineapple Lounge, and our, we used our mini MDs, which are a panel of kids aged 8 to 13, to find out what they think about the internet and what frustrates them. I am um, an independent digital consultant and also currently working as head of production and content at the Open Data Institute. 
You'll have to explain the Open Digital Institute very briefly. Uh, the Open Data Institute was founded by Tim Berners-Lee and Nigel Shadbolt, and it's all about the communication pub um, and publishing and using of open data. And Amy, your team? Um, okay, so on my left we have Catherine McAllister. I'm head of safeguarding at BBC Children's. And I'm uh, Reg Bailey, I'm the Chief Executive of Mother's Union, but I'm also the uh, Independent Reviewer for Government on the Commercialisation and Sexualisation of Childhood. And I'm Amy and I enjoy um, talking about and using programming uh, to make awesome stuff. <laughs> Alright, so the way, the way this is going to work is we're going to try and play blockbusters using PowerPoint. Um, we've asked the mini-MDs from Pineapple Lounge to come up with their top ten irritants. They've been uh, writing those down and blogging about them. We've condensed those. We've run it through a very, very complicated CMC algorithm to come up with the uh, 25 most irritable irritants on the internet. And we're going to use those as our jumping-off point to explore some of the issues. So... me most online. First, slimming adverts online. I mean, they get all over the pages that you actually want to see. And to be honest, it's really annoying. Having to subscribe to a web page just to look at the next page. I mean, it just holds you up when you actually came to see something you really wanted to see. Those adverts when they have the cross in the corner and you think, oh great, I can cancel it. You click on it and it sends you to the website. Come on. I use loads of websites including Facebook, Instagram and I usually have to subscribe to them, another boring thing. And it just fills up my inbox. Someone who says there's something different. For example, a normal person like you and me pretending they're a multi-million pop star or reality TV host or someone like that, just pretending they're not themselves. So the person you get to know isn't the real them. That's a phony. Thank you for listening to the five things I don't like about online. See you soon. So we've got a selection of those, and throughout the morning we'll be playing in clips pertinent to the different topics that we, we pick off the board. You can now see our board with the letters. The team do not know what those letters stand for, uh, although we, they, we haven't tipped them off. We have been telling them the issues that are coming up. I think you in the audience might have a few little clues to what the uh, acronyms are standing for, but they are going to help us get across the board. They're both trying to get from left to right. We might have a winner, we might not. Reg was asking what the prize is, typical. Um, but the idea is we're going to go through these issues quite rapid fire, and what we really want is for you to be thinking through the session, you know, are these issues that worry you or worry your organisation, or you think are things that we need to address for children going forward. 
We want to gather a few of your views at the end because the Children's Media Foundation is very keen to corral um, the thoughts from this conference. And Dinah at the back has some post-it notes. So if you are interested or are there are particular issues that we, you think we've only glossed over or think um, haven't been addressed, do please scribble stuff down because this is about the start of a, an exploration. And we got the title, The Web We Want, from Tim Berners-Lee's campaign. This year he's come out um, with people the likes of Martha, uh, Martha Lane Fox, etc., talking about the issue that the web that he envisaged all those years ago, it hasn't quite turned out quite as great as he, he expected, and that we all probably share a responsibility in making it better. There, there's a, been a lot of talk about Magna Carta for the internet age, um, but what we're particularly concerned on is how could we make the internet better by design for children? Um, and when, as I said, when we're, we're floundering, I'm sure Amy's got some uh, insights which will probably put us right, and we'll be looking to her and her cohort to actually sort of help us with this journey. So, let's uh, start. I don't know whether we've got another jingle, Diana. Okay, let's play another one. So... I'm going to look to this team here first for your first letter. I'm going to give you a nudge to the top left-hand corner of the board, please, because otherwise my running order goes completely pear-shaped. Okay, I'd, I'd really like P-U-H. P-U-H, very good choice, Reg. Uh, so um, we had a little bit of a clue in that earlier um, uh, clip from one of the girls who were, uh, filed a blog for us. What do you think P-U-H might stand for? We think it stands for pop-up hell. Very, very good. I'm sure you listening earlier. So, pop-up hell. Pop-up came, I think it came uh, second out of 25 of the most irritable irritants from our group. And what's interesting here is Ethan, Ethan Zuckerman, who is credited with coming up with the pop-up, even he thinks that pop-ups are getting are one of the worst things about the internet now. And he's um, quoted as saying that he thinks we could be doing much better. Um, but it came out of the, the whole issue of trying to, how do we make money quickly out of the internet? So, that's your first one. We were second out of 25. You can now move across the board. We don't have any clever graphics to show you've won that, that hexagon, unfortunately. Keep, keep going on the top. P PRV. PRV. So another in the same vein. We think, we think that stands for pre-roll video. Pre-roll video, very good. So Amy, I want to bring you in here. We were talking about the stuff that you do online. Pre-roll video comes in a lot. Mm -hmm. On you, you do you a lot of the things that you the, the people you follow you do on YouTube etc. Mm -hmm. Is it one of the? Does it get on your nerves? Well, it kind of depends what's being shown in the video. So sometimes you kind of get like liqueur adverts and things that aren't entirely appropriate. Um, but I think you can use things like ad blocker to kind of prevent them coming up but on certain websites it will make you wait for the amount of time that the video rolls you just don't have to actually view the video um, and I think it just kind of depends on the content being shown So who here uses ad blocker? Any adults? Oh we've got some So Amy, Amy was I think Amy you're quite unusual amongst your peers mm -hmm. because last, last night when we were chatting about this you were sort of educating all of us. Of your friends do most of your friends use ad blockers and things like that? Um, I'm not really sure I think 
Uh, certainly in school we don't use it, so in assemblies there's been quite a couple of awkward pre-roll videos on assemblies gone wrong, um, but I think, I'm not entirely sure whether people use it outside of school or not. And we saw with one of the children, on the, on the, the girl on the video, she was saying about slimming ads sort of popping up all over the place. Is that something you've encountered? Uh, yes, so recently I was on Facebook and I clicked on a link and it linked to a web page um, that was about the two pills that are supposed to work miracles. Uh, but it was disguised as a BBC article, so it came up inside the Facebook app. Um, so you can't actually see the URL, but if you opened it in Chrome, you could see that it actually wasn't on the BBC website. It was just um, made to look exactly the same as the BBC website. We, we're sort of straying slightly from pre-roll video, but that's a really interesting point about URLs, because I'm going to jump to the other team, see if you can get a bonus point. I don't know where these points go, but uh, <laughs> Catherine and Pete. Um, Pete first, the idea of pre-roll, uh, of the... Um, authenticity about what people are looking at and pre-rolls and what there's, there's sort of is it, there's pros and cons to videos aren't there yeah there, there are and um, in, in terms of I think the, the pre-roll videos tap into two things that really kids find annoying about the net firstly just being an, an interrupter and there's lots of different interrupters like even including slow slow connection but ads and ads at the beginning of something you want to do are one of those but I think it also links into the theme of, of being dupes and that, that example about the BB site is a really good one and there's all sorts of things which are on the net ju not just there for kids but for, for grown-ups too where the, it feels like people are trying to do dupe one into looking at something else or selling something and that's a really major thing for kids particularly because they don't necessarily know what they're being sold or the fact they are being sold something that some particularly young ones don't have that aren't able to discriminate between what's fact and what's an advert um, and that's a real issue and, and Catherine with I think I we had our bonus point. <laughs> no no <laughs> that's half a bonus point um, you're one of the things that children are taught is you know look at the URLs because that's how you can check that they are and we're taught we're told to do that most Adults forget to do it, and that's how you get scammed. But checking the URL is, looks legitimate in itself. But that in itself could be in jeopardy if changes that might come along. I think there's, as we were discussing yesterday, one of the things that uh, if you're on Facebook, you don't actually know. Um, you can't check the URL because often that's hidden um, if you've clicked on a link within Facebook and you're within the Facebook browser still. Um, and I think there's also people have been considering again for, to create a nice user experience um, and particularly Google and other search engines thinking about well do we just want to do away with being able to see the URL because it's all a bit techy isn't it and I think that then well, we need, then need other ways to be able to tell how because um, we're very so reliant on that URL and thinking about whether that's genuine or not so how do we overcome that if that's the way it's going so, Dinah, I think they do, they can get a bonus point for that, you, it, adding it up at the back. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to, we go back to the main board. You're still with you, you can pick another one. I would avoid the OOB, so if you want to carry on. Uh, we'll go for RMA oh, Very good, very good, this is working <laughs> splendidly. No pressure. So, uh, what do you think RMA is? We're still in the area of pop-ups, interrupters. Right, my app. Rate my app. Uh, rate, rate my app. Yes, very good. So I'm sure you've all had it where apps have popped up. Uh, featured highly with the children going that they didn't like the fact that whenever they're using an app, they're being asked to rate it and being pushed to somewhere else. Uh, it's almost become part of everyday developer 
uh, parlance. Now, Pete, have you, uh, any more you can say about how children react to it? No, I just think, again, it's another, another case of interrupters, and I, th I think, that, yes, it is annoying, but um, kids today, are, they're not even digital natives, they're digital intuitives, and they are used to being able to do things really, really quickly, much faster than kids even five, ten years ago. And I think something like Rate My App is just another thing that gets in the way and actually can cause kind of annoyance and, and maybe even put them off using the, the app that the people are trying to get you to rate. Amy, you were telling us last night about how you hate apps where they flip the buttons around so that they do little tricks with you. So, um, one of my apps that recently updated, where it used to be I want to try this level again, it's changed to I want more lives to see if I can finish off this level with how, what I've already done, so like buy more moves. So I keep accidentally clicking on it because I'm used to like on autopilot clicking I want to retry. Um, so then I have to quickly cancel because I don't really want to go to that in-app purchase particularly. So let's let's do one one more on this right line going heading to the top again. Keep keep on your track if you can. I think we'd like IP. IP. So what do we think IP? Let's see if this PowerPoint's working. It's still working. It might melt in a minute. Intellectual property. Yes, we think that stands for intellectual property. It does, but not in the context of what children are looking at. I'm going to give the other chance a team to steal here. We heard about it in that first video. We, we, we were thinking it was internet protocol, but obviously that's not right either. Yeah, let's, let's have a look at the video. And I wish that like, everyone could actually be who they are and who they say they are. Still with you over there, close. Identity. Internet phonies. Is it internet phonies? Uh, Amy got it, but you, it was still with you, so I'm going to keep it with you for a bit. So internet phonies is actually, you know, I haven't come across the phrase as much, but we had two or three children actually using internet phonies, and it's not necessarily about people. Uh, scam artists and frauds. It's about people just not who being who they say they are. Pete, do you want to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it kind of it's basically on, on, online stranger danger. I think just just as uh, kids are taught not to speak to people who they don't know on the street on the internet, they're aware that there's people out there who are trying to engage with them in conversation and, and even more serious things, and they're aware of that. And obviously, that is a, a massive concern. I, I think there is, uh, to some degree, there's a good deal of education about it, and kids are aware of it, which is a good thing. Um, but they they see they see it on the web the whole time and it did come out as one of those big issues again something that's really quite concerning so if you can imagine on the board now you've got your sort of crawling along the top on this team and you've just now stolen ip just in the middle of the, the third row i suggest with going back to your team catherine you might want to take cb or it well yeah we, we, we think <laughs> we'll we have to try and keep to some of the game rules so let's go let's have cb please okay so cb this should be an easy one because i think we're already into this territory what do you think cb stands for this is the only one we think we actually know <laughs> <laughs> cyberbullying hopefully so cyberbullying, um, yes, absolutely right, came six out of 25 in terms of the things that it, they were irritated about. Most of the children get taught about it. It was interesting in the Ofcom review on Media Live, there was a, seemed to be a slightly discrepancy between what children know intellectually is the right thing around cyberbullies and what actually it translates to in real life. Um, I don't know, Pete, again, with the 
Did this come out? At all? Um, yeah, and I, I think the, the interesting thing from what the kids are saying is that it's not just very, very extreme, someone targeting one specific person and bullying them that way. It can be even just kind of a really negative um, comment on, on YouTube about something they've uploaded or a picture on Instagram, and, and kids um, interpret that as, as cyberbullying, essentially, and something that makes them feel uncomfortable and is deliberately there to make them feel uncomfortable. Amy, something you've encountered or, you, or your friends have encountered? Um, I don't think, the only thing that people have really, I know, have come across cyberbullying massively is with Ask.fm because of the um, anonymous nature of it, but I've never signed up to it because of the horror stories from it, but I don't think... Is Ask.fm still big? Um, with your with your peer groups, um, it kind of it was it was quite big, and then all the cyberbullying kind of happened. But I think there's been like a second kind of peak, but not as big. But I've never used it. Uh, Paul, this is where we're starting to get into you know we're talking about good behaviour, bad behaviour. But at some point, it becomes you know, you're, you're breaking the law. And, you know, where where what is at what point does it become an illegal offence, all this, uh, what you do online? And as parents, where do parents take responsibility in this? Yes, yeah, so if it becomes, I mean, there's two elements really. It's, it's how serious it is and, and how many times it occurs. But on a scale on that way, it could become uh, illegal activity if the child's 10 or over. Um, I think the CPS um, guidance is that they don't want to prosecute anyone under 18 for that kind of thing. Um, in terms of parental responsibility, I think there was a case in the, in the US where parents were found liable for, if you like, cyberbullying activity of a child. We haven't had that in the UK, um, but in principle, you, you could have liability as a parent. Um, you, you could um, have the kind of liability that can um, apply in um, sort of antisocial behaviour and have some sort of con parental contract put in place if it was really serious. And there's also civil liability, of course, which is slightly different. And, and have we had any any sort of cases where people are actually using civil liability? Not I'm aware of in the UK. In you wanted to US. jump in, Reg? Yes, I, th I think that the interesting thing is on the Ofcom tracking studies, you're beginning to see um, much greater resilience really building with children and young people now about understanding uh, the hurt that's caused by internet bullying. You're seeing that um, co coming up very dramatically in the last, uh, they, they do a sort of six month tracking study and it's quite interesting to watch how uh, the awareness of children that it can be very hurtful and if you look at the safer internet day uh, studies then actually that too uh, comes up very high on the sample size of, of children being uh, asked that question about what they're really concerned about and what do they want to see in a good internet which is people being kind to one another rather than uh, bullying one another. Yeah, there's definitely a sense that children are sort of coming up, they're coming up with their own coping mechanisms. Yes. But that cyberbullying is still uh, rife, isn't it? It's massive. sort of, Catherine. And just look it back to the last, the phonies as well. Sometimes though, you want to create a different persona to do two things. One, protect yourself. Um, so there's a lot of, not just children, but women who actually pretend to be men just so they don't get bullied online. Um, and also vice versa, people are using um, identities to do the bullying as well, so they're hidden. Um, so it, the, the, you know, it, it works, can work both ways, both to protect yourself, but also to be used to further the bullying itself. So we're sticking with the theme. You've now got CB and you've got the IP. There's a one in the middle. I suggest should you might go, go there. Should we go for IT? Yeah, let's go for IT. What do you think IT stands for? It's in the same vein. In the same vein? 
it's not internet technology, is it? No. No. No, you're the first one's right. How about internet trolling? Internet trolling, very good. So internet trolls sort of not quite categorised as the same thing as, as cyberbullying by the children. They certainly, I don't know whether it's more that the, it's a term that, come, that they'd heard and were reusing. Amy, have you, are you and your friends talk about in, in trolls? Um, we've heard of trolling, but I don't think we've kind of experienced it ourselves. It's more kind of like, I suppose, repeated people kind of targeting you on the internet and it mainly happens to people who kind of put themselves out there a lot. Um, particularly kind of women with views that aren't particularly normal or kind of deemed to be normal at the moment. So kind of if you've got views that kind of make you stand out from the crowd, maybe. Um, but I think that we try and avoid it ourselves. Oh, and we were talking about the people creating personas. I think also newbies, there's you know, a lot of people moan about uh, how newbies get jumped on on sites. We came up with a, a term which was um, which we, uh, we hadn't heard it before, which was game griefing, which is where uh, supreme gamers give, gr give grief to the newbie g gamers because they're not making enough of it. Pete, had you come across it before when you were... Uh, I haven't actually come across it before, but again, it, it just feels like a, a typical, unfortunate, typical childhood thing of uh, pick, like picking the new kid at school is now, again, moving online and the internet can... Is, it, uh, I was just thinking, actually, the internet can be a wonderful field. It, it is a wonderful thing for kids and I think can give them great scope to do things in terms of creativity uh, and knowledge that they didn't have before. But on the flip side, there are these negative implications and actually giving them a, a chance to, to kind of, yeah pretty much bully a new new kid as well as physically but also online is, is a Dinah, do we have a doubt. clip around cyberbullying should we Yeah. I was just gonna, did you say it was number six in the in the irritants because in the Ofcom research um, the media use and attitudes the parents and children put it at number one when they were asked what's what's your main concern about the internet and interestingly parents said bullying as well they didn't say stranger danger they said cyber bullying so what was interesting about this group was because we were asking that we just let them let them do it as you could see they were coming up with their own things and then we asked them to, to feedback it was less in terms of a questionnaire so it was much more what was front of mind for them and I think the, the question was what's, what um, annoys them or frustrates them rather than concerns yeah, it's a different, I, different I think if question, concern comes yeah. up I think absolutely cyberbullying and actually because it was wider than that some other more functional things like those interrupters we talked about mm. in, in terms of just kind of um, what, you know, Wi-Fi dropping out and but poor connection came up as the, the main ones and then cyberbullying was just under that. So at Children's BBC we used, used to get lots of sort of cries for help. It was, it was almost considered, the message boards were considered as a safe haven because they knew they were moderated. Do you see that there's a sort of a, there, there are two economies going on, places where, which are completely unregulated and children go because they like, you know, the, the content is stuff that 
they want to go and play with but haven't actually thought about how you manage those conversations and then the safe world are we, are we turning into a bit of a black and white some places are safe and some places are, are cyber bully free to, to an extent but I also think I mean we're dealing with a younger audience so they're not that they haven't started to, they're aware of cyber bullying but not many of them have actually experienced it or they've experienced it on a, um, more sort of peer to peer so on mobile phones text messages and stuff but they haven't stepped out to those the real sort of wild west where it goes on uh, they might they might read Twitter and have a Twitter account but they don't tweet themselves so they're not they're not experiencing it in that way so we'll move on the next letter I'm still with you over there well it looks like we can only go to PFSS oh that's an interesting move no you could you're, you've <laughs> well, got the IP you can go to RFU if you want to but I'm not going to force you or could we go uh, uh, it's a bit tricky because we've got they took IP uh, <laughs> And RMA's already gone as well. Can we go for RFU? Yeah, go for RFU and then work backwards. That might help my narrative. Okay. I've got no idea where we are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do we think RFU stands for? Well, it's not a rugby, rugby football, football union. Yeah. Um, we're only doing that what we know it's not <laughs> uh, side. Could be interesting to see what you come up with when we get to NYPD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really don't know. Is, is the friends in the middle? Um, friends is right. Okay. No, no. No, it's not right. Thanks. You're in the right territory. It's the opposite of friends, or people beginning with you, who are... Unfriendly. Unknown. No. Requests from unknown. No, unknown. Requests from, Request from unknown. Very well done. Very well worked out. <laughs> I don't know how I got that. So, um, it's still on the same theme, so we've had cyberbullies. Don't get a point for that one. <laughs> Dinah, can I have a point? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Thank very you. good. So, request from unknowns is not necessarily a sinister thing, but it came up a lot that children get annoyed by unknowns. So, there are people who are known to them, they are their friends, um, there are people who might be in their sort of social graph who they therefore think that they are appropriate. This isn't quite stranger danger, it's just that annoyance when someone's sort of nagging you and wants to talk to you. They might be phony, they might not even be phony. It, it, how big an issue is this? Um, yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I think it's an issue more in the that when Amy was saying yesterday about Facebook, and I think was it a uh, eight-year-old or thirteen-year-old who had five hundred friends on Facebook, and actually they don't know those five hundred people, and they might even be starting to get requests from them, and actually they're technically in their on their friends on Facebook, but really they don't know who they are. I think that's that's something that's uh, hey, an Amy, issue. Amy, is, is, is this an issue? Do you think with your peers? Just when I was when I was younger, obviously in primary school, people were like pretending to be a lot older than they were on Facebook um, and there's obviously issues surrounding that but I think um, it's just people from the year below particularly they try and make friends with me although I've only like glanced at them in the lunch queue so kind of it's competition to see who can have as many friends as you can on Facebook which I don't really see the point of I want the people who I know to be honest. It does seem to be something like the first time people get their Facebook account they're in a rush to get as many friends as possible. Yeah. I think um, even my aunt fell foul of it. She was like, can you, um, she said to my mum, can you um, be my friend on Facebook? Um, I've got 
50 so far and I want to get up to like 100 by the end of the month or something. So, 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 so there is this direct thing about will you, will you be my friend? Mm-hmm. But one of the things about all of the social networking platforms is it, it's more of a network effect. And Catherine, we were talking about, you know, actually you're not necessarily signing up to be my friend. You're signing up to be my friend and my friend's friends and my friend's friends and friends and friends. And uh, how we manage that? I, well, I think there, there are children who are very wise to it, actually, uh, as well as the, it being an annoyance. Because it's annoyance, you know, I, the, there's someone I know who only has 10 friends on Facebook. They don't accept anyone who isn't their direct friend. They use WhatsApp um, to actually have more, and again, only with their friends and create groups for that. And they use Snapchat to kind of, again, protect them from just sending images that way. So I I think it works both ways, that children are also wise to some of this and not kind of behaving in a, I want to collect every friend and trying to keep themselves secure. However, that sometimes can have implications at school um, because these things aren't in isolation. I think we sometimes kind of think, oh, it's the internet, has nothing to do with real life. And it's how those things connect. Going back to you know the mobile phones and where bullying actually happens isn't sometimes in these public spaces. It's actually in other places. So things, it's not all doom and gloom. Things are improving. We were talking about how Facebook now, if you join Facebook, when you were creating, one of your friends was creating their, their profile and you were saying how it was different from when you created a profile. Um, now you kind of get taken through the security settings that says you should come over to here, there's like with a big arrow kind of thing saying um, this is where you can turn on your security settings and these are the settings to look through. Reg, there does seem to be a sort of, it's almost a philosophical view about, you know, who is the responsibility on the individual to have read every bit of information and know what you're signing up to when you're sort of allowing yourself to be connected to umpteen people. Sure, and and because people tend to validate their own, if you like, self-identity through, for example, the number of friends you have, that that can be very misleading. I think it's been really good that actually some of the social networks are making privacy settings a lot more easy to access and to deal with and keep pointing you in that direction. There's been quite a push to do that because I think some of these things were fairly well hidden before and there was nothing really encouraging you to uh, revisit those settings. Um, I I think particularly given that people often lie about their age at, at this time they start, some of the uh, questions that are asked about uh, privacy settings were uh, wrongly phrased for people who were very young. And so we'll, we'll come back to the age thing in a minute. Paul, on the sort of a la- a, the data aspect of this, we're starting to creep into what children are allowed to surrender or, 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 or contribute about themselves. Um, data protection for the under 13s is a really complex issue because on the one hand your you know children want to share information about themselves but they don't legally have the right to is, is that correct well it's, it's more that you're not supposed to collect it from them uh, without parental consent um you say 13 of course that's the u.s age cutoff um under the draft regulation it would be 18 in in europe uh, without parental consent and, and parental consent means what exactly? Well, it, it means that. Um, of course, how to verify that's difficult. Um, you know, in, in the, the copper legislation, there was a piece of paper you had to sign and send back. In the up until about two years, you still had to fax it back. Yeah, and I was going, I don't right. know anyone who has a fax machine anyway <laughs> these days. 
Yes, um, and I think the, the whole issue of age verification is an incredibly thorny one because it, there's no sort of uh, completely reliable way of doing it. So, so in the States, there's quite a lot around age verification tapping into sort of existing government databases. So there's a, there's a company who does, um, who, who provides a service to children's app developers, etc., where they run the service to check against a social security number. There have been um, experiments or, or people have looked into what the data that's held by schools on children mm -hmm. and whether that could, should be, could be tied together. Catherine, can you tell, tell us a little bit about that because that's... Well, it didn't end very well from what I, I gather. The, the main problem is, you know, how you're then creating access to data that is very sensitive. Um, and as Paul will tell you, you know, that most of that data that a school holds is incredibly sensitive data, legally termed sensitive data, not just me saying it, it's sensitive. Um, and so how do you manage access to that data? And also how, it's some, sometimes it isn't a parent, it's a guardian. How, and what, what relationships, what information are you giving away about that child by saying who their parent or guardian is? Because they're not always... Um, necessarily the people who protect them. So, you know, the, the, it's not easy. Um, and, and parental consent is a very, very difficult thing to manage, as any school will tell you, you know, just getting sign off for going to a school trip. Yeah. Um, Catherine, with your BBC hat on and sort of the, the, sort of the, the more analogue, the real world things about how you safeguard children, parental consent seems, it's hard enough when you're trying to do a filming trip and make sure you've, you know, you don't show children who might have, there might be sort of uh, issues with the family and there uh, be uh, separation orders, etc. How do we do this in this space, to Catherine's point, about making sure that there isn't sort of contamination of data and it doesn't get in, not necessarily get into the wrong hands, but end up causing more problems than it was trying to, to solve in the first place? It's incredibly difficult and it's one of the reasons why uh, at, at CBBC, because the BBC has a really high bar for parental consent, we have to have ver verified consent for every child who appears in video, whether it's on, on television or um, on, online. So, and that's one of the reasons why we, have, we haven't done anything huge in that way um, on, on CBBC, on the CBBC online. BBC's got the My BBC project coming down the line. Put some personalisation around. Personalisation, yeah, but as, as part of that they're looking to see how family groups can sign up and parents can sign up and, you know, define a relationship with a, with a child. So, so they're certainly looking at it, but it's not anything that's been um, solved. Yeah. A Amy, are you cautious about where, who gets you, your details? Um, I'm relatively cautious about it, but I think um, yeah, it's quite difficult. Sometimes you're not always aware of what data exactly you're giving away. Um, so, for example, some websites um, on Facebook, you look at an article and you think, oh, that looks interesting, someone shared it. But when you click on it, you need to sign into your Facebook and allow it to post to your Facebook page in order for it to kind of show you that content. Um, or even when you sign up to games which require you to sign with Facebook, you see like tiny kind of small print and faint grey writing at the bottom. Um, so I think it's quite difficult, especially when there's like 20 things an app requires access it's to. It's becoming particularly apps, isn't it? Yeah. When you download a new app, it says, like, we need access to all of these things. And you wonder why it wants your microphone or why it wants your camera. Um, but you can't like switch certain things off. You've just got to kind of abstain from that app if you don't want it to happen.
access. And what, what, what tactics do you, you... It's either... How often do you not go... Not say yes? Um, I'm not, that isn't pointing to you as a, as, a, as a teenager. I think we're all guilty of it, probably. Who's going... I think I, think I do say yes. Um, but I think I'd rather not have to. They kind of put you in a position where either you kind of... You just don't use it. Or yeah, it's very black and white, isn't yeah. it? There's no in-between. You can't kind of say, I want. I don't mind them looking at this, but I definitely don't want them looking at that. We're going to move on now. I don't think you particularly got the RFU, or I helped you an incredible amount to get RFU. So I'm going to give it back to this team now to pick a, a bottom left-hand corner acronym. You mean like NYPD? No, no, no. Right, right on the bottom left ridge. Oh, SOB. SOB. What do you think that stands for? Keep it clean, Reg. You are from, you are from a Mother's Union after all. Yeah, yeah, thank you. System of something. Um. Can we have a clue, please? When girl quirm or any internet rap crashes, this can be really annoying because if I am in the middle of doing something and then Google crashes, I have to normally, but not always, start what I was doing all over again. This means that whatever I was doing is going to take more than twice as long. This can be so infuriating sometimes, especially if you're on a time scale. Clues in the last bit. For example, the other night I had to do my homework for maths online. And then, when I was in the middle of doing my homework, the browser crashed. I wouldn't do anything for over two whole long hours. So I'll give the little bit, the O is or. So it's something or something. Make it any easier? Is the first word save? Is, is it browsers? Is the third word browser? No, so this was a general category where the children were talking about the speed that things were taking. So it's slow, speed, speed, speed of buffering. Slow or buffering. So, slow you know, they, they, it was things really? being slow to download, buffering was a, a huge uh, topic. I think it came number one when we sort of grouped them all together. Actually, more important than anything else right now, they were really annoyed about websites, browsers, apps which were either slow to download, buffered. And it sort of felt like that, you know, that we, the the industry is making things for far better systems than actually what most of us have in the home. Um, Pete, do you want to jump in on this? Yeah, just, it, it was de definitely the number one thing that came up and kind of we were quite surprised because we'd expected things like cyberbullying to be kind of top of mind. Um, but I think it shows us how, um, again, how expectant kids are of being able to access things just literally on the second go, right, I'm going to Google that straight away and expect to get the answer. Um, and all those things that are an impediment to that, such as buffering, such as even kind of Wi-Fi dropping out at home, are just a, a real annoyance for them. And I, I actually really like the example of um, actually that, that clip and it came out and a few other mini MDs um, answers about actually it is annoying because it means it can take my homework twice as long and that no one wants that um, so I, yeah it is a real deal for them so I'm going to give you a, a couple to just so we move and look because I'm getting an orange light so we're going to try and get across the board quickly so PIC any ideas PIC anyone in the audience who might possibly have it on their d chair PIC so this is poor internet connection connected with um, 
slow or buffering. But this was actually much more about children being very aware that their internet connection, you know, different places had different quality of internet connection. Lots of moans about school internet connection being poor. Um, on the one hand, it sort of comes into about, you know, different families have different, you know, different regions have different um, speeds. Um, Catherine, I mean, we, we were ch chatting a bit last night about sort of this uh, net neutrality which gets in the news a lot, not very well understood. And that's, that's more about providers having equal access to the bandwidth that people have at home. So there isn't a sort of a higher, it's a much more democratic, all sites treated the same. Can you tell us a bit more? What would you like to know? So, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so we heard there were these big statements that net neutrality and yeah. the ISPs are signing up to net neutrality. Are we there yet? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it gets just confused with the, the, what we're talking about here is just your bandwidth in yeah. general. Um, net neutrality is about making sure that there is no, um, no kind of publisher is being given advantage by being paying say your internet service provider for to make sure your service always works whereas no, none of their competitors work so that there is no competitor advantage um, and they, this particularly um, again going back to the web we want and what the web is all about is the web is a distributed network I won't bore you with the tears you know with, with all that but it means it's very evenly distributed around the world and everyone has access and everyone potentially can set up a, a bit of the internet themselves and that's the basis for how the web works. And so net neutrality is trying to say, we want to keep that because we want to enable a single individual to be able to publish something on the web as well as really big companies. It's, it's all about you know, being very democratic. The web is a very democratic thing. But, but there is a sort of flip side to it that by certain things like watching video need more bandwidth yeah. and you then get the slow or buffering issue if you... If you yeah, but that, that, the slow or buffering is often... I was, I was thinking about that girl and thinking, oh, it, it may be her computer isn't powerful enough. There could be a lot of reasons why it was slow or buffering, not just necessarily the internet connection. I suspect if she's doing her homework, she's doing it around 7 o'clock in the evening, whereas when, when America comes online. Street, <laughs> well, no, everyone else in the street is probably also doing their homework or watching TV. TV yeah. via you know BBC iPlayer or whatever, and that there'll be a shared the internet connection they'll probably have at home is shared between a few houses, and so that will be why it'll be slow and buffering at yeah. that time in the afternoon when no one's there. She could probably do her homework without any problems at all, you know. Moving on with BOW with bugs on websites, which again in the same vein, actually this was probably more a statement about how. Um, a, sort of a bit of lack of respect from web producers that they weren't keeping their websites bug free um, and children quite actually quite angry about this that you know if you're gonna expect me to spend time on your website at least do your do your groundwork I know you're very keen on coding and making sure that things are built properly a lot of things not being very accessible because the way they're written and uh, you know you were talking about flash and on last night about how you can't get because you can't use flash on mm -hmm. on phones um this seems to be an ongoing irritant about where you can get access to what and why things aren't working i think well html5 has kind of come in to replace flash but um kind of same with java it's quite um it can be quite difficult to try and find tutorials to kind of try and learn it um so there's kind of like a select few people who um, know lots and lots about Java or who know lots and lots about HTML5 and certainly as like a young person trying to get into it, um, 
Whereas with Python, there's multiple tutorials online and like there's loads of books. It's quite, it's something that's more difficult to get into. So, um, like with apps and kind of um, interactive websites, maybe it's becoming harder and harder for more people to come so into it. We're going to move on because uh, we're going to try and clear the, the left-hand side of the board. IAP, I'm going to give it to your team to come up with. IAP was the one we thought you'd all get. Yes, please. <laughs> I thought we'd I do, sorry. Yeah. I've got this game called Simpsons Tapped Out. And you have to try and rebuild like, Springfield. And... Um, there's like money to buy things and donuts to get like extras. There's this thing called golden scratch cards and you can get donuts with them but you have to pay one pound, which I think is really annoying and um, yeah. Sure, Greg's do cheaper donuts than one pound. <laughs> um, I think it, we think it's in-app purchase. Absolutely, uh, Paul. There was there was moves a few years uh, about. I think it was about last year when when there, we still had the Office of Fair Trading, which yep. has subsequently morphed into something else. Competition and Markets Authority. So they publish their guidance and uh, principles uh, that people are supposed to follow for in-app purchases. Um, they gave a, a grace period for people to comply with that guidance um, and they're now looking to uh, various websites and, and uh, games and online games to see if they comply with that and they've just referred three games to the Advertising Standards Authority um, on, in feeling that they don't comply with those principles. And what would, if, they, if they're found guilty? they'll be fined or...? Well, it was a slightly curious move because the, the, the ASA has the different set of teeth than the Competition and Market Authority, which actually has um, more teeth, if you like. So the, the ASA um, could require those games to be taken down because they're sort of inappropriate advertising and the like. So it's, it's not insignificant. Uh, it's interesting in the States, the FTC are also getting quite, they're, yeah. they're, they're showing their, their bite a bit. There have been a lot of fines for people who haven't been copper compliant in the last year, which everyone used to say copper's a bit of a, a soft touch. Yeah, not, is, is this something you're seeing, that regulators are starting now to go? Definitely, and of course in, in, um, on the continent they're even more aggressive, as it were, or, or more vigilant. In Germany they've taken direct court action against a couple of online games um, without any sort of prior warning. Um, and of the FTC in the States is, is fine, people like Apple. Um, but of course, along with the people like the Competition Markets Authority having their principles, all the platforms are doing their own thing. So each platform has its own little ecosystem or big ecosystem where they're putting, putting their own measures in place. So in-app purchase is that, you know, particularly where it's being manipulated and, you know, game, particularly developers learn how to best use the right moment, the right time. It's connected, with, I'm going to jump straight ahead to BE, which is sort of a lot, there's a lot of academic talk about BE, which is the underlying sort of philosophy for how you do all this stuff, and it sort of gives it a good name. So anyone ideas what BE is? We do, we do. Go on. Behavioural economics. Okay, so explain what behavioural economics is then, Catherine. <laughs> 
Uh, now I have to answer the question. Uh, well, behavioral economics was actually made famous by a book called Nudge uh, by Cass Sunstein, but I'm not sure that's actually what you want to know again. <laughs> so underlying a lot of this is about the about sort of design and user design. Design and use and behavioral economics is being used, bandied around a lot, to work out how to. So the original idea around behavioral economics is by slightly changing the environment, you can be change the behaviour. The classic is um, putting a fly, I don't know how many in the, the room here, but putting a fly on a urinal um, to increase aim uh, and better aim. And, and it's the same thing with um, app purchases, is by the placement of things, um, on a, whether it's on a, an app or anywhere else, you increase or change a behaviour um, towards what you would like them to do rather than what you wouldn't like them to do. So in this instance, purchase or create the environment where purchase is more conducive, more likely. Yeah. So like the donuts. And, and it's everything from using colours to where the buttons are placed. Yeah, and changing where buttons are placed and so that you're like, you, you're ha you have one habit where it's an always no and one set, you know, one position for a button that's changed over suddenly and you suddenly said yes. The classic that most of us have probably experienced is where you've got tick boxes for whether or not you want an email from or communications from a company that you signed up for. And you have to for. think really sometimes hard. Sometimes you have to tick, sometimes it's pre-ticked, sometimes you, you tick to not receive. It's that same sort of thing. So it's not, it's not just bad design, it's actually done intentionally yes. to get you yeah, yeah, yeah. to get the result. That the, okay. Yeah. Reg, when you were looking at commercialisation, yeah. that was around the time when there was a lot around in-app purchase was coming up. Is this a sort of the, the subtle sort of under the surface sort of mechanics and techniques that people are using to get children in particular to part with their cash or pester their parents to part with their cash. Is this a worry, do you think? Yes, I think so. And, and parents will tell you that that's a real concern, that uh, algorithms are developed which, which actually look at browsing histories, they look at all of that and then feed back to you uh, information. I, I gave the example I think last night when we were talking of uh, one of the civil servants at DFE who was working with me on my review had been given the task of looking at inappropriate underwear given to, uh, sold to children and had done some various Google searches and then he absolutely froze the whole of the Department for Education's computers because it started sending very inappropriate advertising back to him which was being blocked by the government uh, blocking system uh, and was dying of embarrassment that people kept going, what have we been looking at? <laughs> so a quick follow-up to in-app purchase, which is about extracting your money, PFSS, any clues what that might be? Paying stuff. Stuff? We've got stuff? Paying for, Paying for stuff. Sucks. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, there is a, a huge sort of feeling from the kids that actually, why do we have to pay for stuff at all? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, Amy, you were saying, well, you sort of understand that things cost. Well, yeah, sometimes you can see that games, obviously, a lot of work has gone into them. And I think if you're like a coder yourself, you kind of know how much work and effort goes into making games. But I think the irritating thing is where you have to pay more than once. So within app purchases, it's repetitive. Or um, certainly in games, sometimes things that used to be free, like occasionally they give you a free extra life. Now they say, well, you can have a free extra, you can have an extra life, but only if you pay for it, kind of thing. And um, I think with things like ad blocker, you can see with like things on YouTube or the kind of YouTubers, they get their money from advertisements and sponsorships. Um, but 
obviously that's how they create the content that you want to see, but I think maybe providing alternative ways for them to get funding as opposed to advertisements that could sometimes be inappropriate. Okay, we are running out of time. We didn't think we'd get quite across the board. I didn't think we'd get stalled so early on. Um, I'm going to quickly go through some of these letters, and whilst we're doing that, if you could all think about what you'd like to see happen to make the web better, either in terms of principles or in terms of actual actions. Um, going through NYPD was know your... Per uh, um, they, um, Need, need your personal data, um, and I think we've talked about this slightly already about how children are, are cautious about why does everyone need my no, need to know, you know, where I am when it's, the app has nothing to do with location. Um, TMTY was too much too young. Um, that was about actually children having to say that they're older than they are to get something basic. So you know this we've almost entered in this world where um, you have to say you're over 13 basically because the developers of that service haven't bothered to work out what an under 13 service is. So everyone lies to be over 13, which in itself you could argue is uh, conditioning children that they should lie about their age everywhere they go. But interestingly, the other bit about it is that when you're then two years older, the service thinks you're 15 or uh, six years older thinks you're 18 when actually you, you now might only be 15 and so then you start getting served all sorts of things which are sort of unsavoury so it has a, a long-term knock-on effect. Um, GH was games hacking really the, a lot of the boys were really annoyed about games hacking and this is it, it was a sense of foul play actually that boys were that um, uh, people were hacking to do better in games uh, and uh, SEC actually didn't figure that highly which was um, uh, sexually explicit content so children weren't uh, the primary school children weren't complaining about it but it did sort of come through in a lot of other stuff won't go through the rest of them because I think we touched most of them CSR is about corporate social responsibility so that's my starter for what would we like to do better I'd like to see the people who do well, both corporate, public service, out of having a huge children's audience actually stepping up to the plate, and I know that's something that the Children's Media Foundation is, wants to look at, is how can we make the industry better, be better, uh, take their responsibilities more seriously. Dredge, what would you like to see in the future? Well, I was, I, I was going to pick CSR as being something that should be woven in rather than a tick box exercise. But actually, it's the age verification that I'd like to see. I, if, if I were designing the web from now, having a robust age verification system that allowed us to truly know someone's age and then design... And be truthful about your and age. And be truthful about it. Amy, what would you like to see? Um, I'd like to see alternative ways of providing funding for genuinely good content without having to have advertisements that you may not particularly want to see as a young person being used as a way of funding. Really interesting, you know, a sort of a public service entity for the web, for web content for kids. Good. Catherine? I, I was going to say age verification as well, but I would say um, uh, an acceptance um, of children's rights <coughs> to be online and n not, not have the children who suffer having problems online, that's just, well, just switch it off. I think, I think the internet for kids certainly is, it should be treated like a utility and they shouldn't be given dirty water, they should be given clean internet, they can't, they can't survive without it. Pete? Um, increased um, focus on kind of online behaviour in PHSE at school and also better education and guidelines for parents who I think are actually less in the know than their kids. Catherine? 
Um, mine's actually corporate data responsibility. Um, it's something I've been thinking about for quite some time, and how um, you increase corporate corporates thinking about who their customers are, and really not thinking of those customers, but as people and as children first, then thinking about um, what their activities might might affect them, in, rather than the other way around. Paul? I suppose, uh, think of children, I'd like to see a web that has protections and safeguards which are analogous to those in the offline world. Brilliant, thank you. There's some brilliant ideas there. We'd like your ideas as well, so if you do have things which you think would make the web better, um, Dinah will be collecting post-it notes on the way out. I'd just like to thank our panel. I'd like you to thank you for getting here so early on a Friday morning. Um, I hope you, we've given you a bit of inspiration. Do talk to any of the panel and Dine and myself afterwards because the CMF, the Children's Media Foundation, are really keen to sort of corral um, people's, uh, people who are interested in this area and then start a discussion which we may be able to follow up this time next year. Thank you for coming. Just and to say, it's on Facebook. If you, go, if you want to contribute your ideas, please go to the Children's Media Foundation page on Facebook. And that is going to be dedicated to collecting your ideas today, but also on post-its. And Dinah, as producer of this fantastic game show, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm deferring. To our host. Who, who won? Well, unsurprisingly, it was a draw. <laughs> Thank you very much.